You are listening to the Real Faith Stories podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Blake, welcome to Real Faith Stories. It's really an honor to have you on the show today. Brian, I'm really excited to be here. Obviously, I appreciate all that you do and appreciate this podcast. And I've been looking forward to being on this thing now for, I don't know, 24 hours. And <laughs> I'm pretty excited about it. I would love for you to share your backstory. It's fascinating and tragic at the same time, but then also triumphant. So please share a little bit about yourself, Blake, really what happened when you were 19, and then we'll move into what God's doing now in your late 30s. Yeah. In my family, there's before May 23rd, 2003, and there's after May 23rd, 2003. And everything that has happened since that day has been shaped by, by what happened, including what I'm doing full time now. But I had finished my freshman year of college at the University of Arkansas, and I came home to a trip that I knew was planned. We were going on a vacation to Hawaii. And of course, I was excited. We'd been to Florida and Colorado before, but this was like our like a pinnacle vacation. And so it was my mom, my dad, and my sister and my brother and my grandmother on the trip. And the first day that we were there, we decided to go to a place called Hanama Bay. And it's known for its beautiful waters, beautiful beach, and good snorkeling. As soon as we showed up, we jumped in the water, started swimming, started snorkeling, saw the beautiful fish. And... We decided to go lay back down on the beach. We all laid down except for my dad. And my dad was just standing there. And he said, man, we're in Hawaii. Like, I'm not laying down on the beach. I'm going back out there. Mm. And I wasn't super surprised. My dad was an athlete. So my dad was mostly known for being Terry Bradshaw's tight end at Louisiana Tech. And so that was my claim to fame growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons and never got, ended up getting injured and not playing. But my dad was an athlete. And so he, he starts walking down the beach. And I'll never forget just laying there and thinking, man, I really just want to lay here on this beach. But actually, even more than that, I want to go catch up to my dad. And it was like, it was almost like a movie. I was just like, my dad was walking away. And I'm just thinking about him being my football coach and, you know, him reading the Bible with me and just all the things about my dad. And I'm like, I just want to go be with my dad. And I run and catch up to him. And I'll never forget the look that he, he gave me. With a big smile on his face, he said, uh, look who decided to join me. And as I reflected on that, I've realized my dad did for me in that moment what he had done for me hundreds and thousands of times before, which is he simply expressed that he enjoyed being with me. Mm. And now that I'm a dad and I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a 10-month-old, I know that's one of the best things that I can do for my kids is to put my phone down and to just totally focus on them and just let them know, no, I like you. I enjoy being with you. And so that's what my dad did in that moment. And also, we'll never forget because that was the last smile that I ever got from my dad. And so we headed off in, in the water and we kept going further and further out. And we ended up in an area that I now know is called Witch's Brew, which is known for its treacherous waters. I found myself not knowing where my dad was. And so I I started looking around where'd my dad go? I was scanning the waters and the, the waves are really big. And I could only see when a, a big wave came and I was at the top of the wave and I'd look out and then I finally saw him and he was trying to get out of the water. Um, it really, the, the only 
place to get out where we were and there was a rock coming out of the water and the, but the waves are crashing against it mm-hmm. and i remember thinking okay why is he trying to get out right here because it's not a good spot and sure enough as he was about halfway up this rock a wave crashed against my dad and knocked him back down in the water and so i knew i had to get over there so i swam to the last place i saw my dad and it was at close to this rock and i didn't see him when i got there but i was feeling tired exhausted I knew I had to get out of the water and the only place to get out was this rock. And so I, through God's grace, I'm able to get on top of this rock in between the waves and I'm on top of the rock. And as soon as I get up there, I look down in the water and I see my dad and my dad is treading water, but I could tell he wasn't doing good. And he looks up at me and he he yells for, for help. He goes, help. I, I need help. And my dad had a deep, booming voice, and he yelled this with, it was more like a whimper. Mm. And so I knew that he was in trouble. And so I turned back around towards the beach where the lifeguards and all the people were, and they were, they were like ants. So I, I had no idea if they could see me, but I just started waving as big as I could and yelling for help and turned back around. And I looked down at my dad and I, I had a decision to make. I knew I couldn't just, just stand there. And so I jumped in after my dad. And at this point, he was about 20 yards away. And I just started swimming towards my dad. And by the time I, I got to my dad, my dad had gone unconscious and was underneath the water, just floating. And so then it was at that moment that I thought, oh man, this really is serious. And I put my arms around my dad and did the best that I could to try to hold my dad's head above water as I swam with him. I had to get back around that rock and try to get to a shore. Luckily, after swimming for what seemed like forever, now making a lot of progress, a nearby snorkeler showed up. He had heard me yelling. And so he took over swimming with my dad, which allowed me to go to, to go to shore because I was about to drown myself. The lifeguards ended up showing up. They put my dad on the surfboard, surfboard brought him to shore, started doing CPR to my dad. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being on my, my hands and knees next to my dad and looking up at, at the heavens and just crying out to God, God would... Would you please save my dad? I just knew that surely this is going to be like the movies where, you know, the water kind of gurgles out of their mouth and their eyes flicker open and he's going to come to at any moment, surely. Yeah. My, my mom and sister were laying out on the beach during all this and they saw all the commotion and they said, wow, that's where dad and Blake were. And so they run down the beach and their worst fears came true as they see dad on the ground and. I remember my mom running up to me and I just said, mom, it doesn't look good. I don't think he's going to make it. And they loaded my dad and my mom, my mom went with him in the ambulance. My sister and I went behind in the rental car, but they sped away and got to the hospital where they pronounced my dad dead. And so in a matter of moments, I was, you know, I was having one of the best days of my life, hanging out with my dad, snorkeling, one of the most beautiful beaches in the world. And then my dad's gone. And, you know, as you can imagine, I was having all kinds of thoughts that didn't feel real. Mm. I was back in the condo that afternoon and I had just, as the oldest son, I had just made calls to my dad's parents who were absolutely devastated to learn that their son had passed. Sure. And my dad's boss and our church and other friends and family calls I never thought I'd have to make. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sitting there on the back bed, in the back bedroom on this bed. And my mom appears in the doorway and she says, hey, I was going to your dad's 
a briefcase and I found something he was going to give you on this trip. And I, I mean, I had no idea what she was talking about, but she walked across the room and she had some sheets of paper in her hand and she put them into my hand. And at the top, it said, dear Blake, Natalie and Marcus. And she said, for the last couple of months, your dad has been writing a letter to you guys and he was going to give it to you on this trip. Here's your copy. Wow. And so even before I read this letter, I felt incredibly loved that my dad would take a couple months of his life. I don't know what TV show he gave up, um, what he sacrificed, but to, to take the time to put his thoughts about me and my sister and brother on paper and to give us some good life advice. As I'm reading this letter, I get to the, to the last line of this letter and only God could have allowed my dad to write this, but my dad wrote for your faith. Here on earth, you might be uh, in the minority, but I assure you that in heaven, you'll be in the majority. Love your dear old dad in Christ Jesus. And man, I can't tell you how good that felt just in that moment to just put things into perspective. Yes, mm. my dad is gone, but he's in heaven mm. and, and I'm going to see him again and I'm going to see a smile again. And so that letter absolutely got me through the next year of my life where I was grieving hard, but I, I actually grew and developed more as a person and as a leader and, and my relationship with the Lord. And then that letter has been guiding me for the last 18 years. My dad's words have taken on new meaning with each phase of my life. And so I can't tell you how grateful I am that my dad wrote that letter. It's overwhelming to hear this story, Blake. What, what were you doing at the time in terms of employment? You were in college, but after college, where did you land? So that happened in May. I get back to school and I, I mean, I was, I was ready to live for the Lord. Um, my, my perspective on life just completely changed. And then I just saw, you know, my dad had no idea that at 54 years old, he was going to die. And so mm -hmm. I just thought, man, and this is really because of some of the words my dad wrote to me. I was like, man, the, the short time that I'm here on earth, I want to live for the things that really matter for God, the things that God cares about for, you know, people. And so I was primed and ready to go, and I, I met some guys involved with the campus ministry in August. So three months after my dad died, I'm back on campus. Ended up getting really involved with them for the next three and a half years. I've intentionally lived on campus, intentionally lived on the freshman floor, had to go get permission from the housing director to live on the freshman floor as a senior, and uh, really shared, started to I shared my faith with hundreds of people, shared the story of my dad with hundreds of people, got my accounting degree, but this ministry was inviting me to come on staff. Mm -hmm. And man, I was like, man, that's not the plan. Like I'm, you know, having this internal dialogue with myself, that's not the plan to go into ministry, like have this business degree. And really the, just the more I prayed about it and, you know, I had people in my life too saying, this doesn't, you know, this wasn't the plan. This doesn't make sense. Like you shouldn't do that. Even some, someone even said in my family, like, man, if your dad was alive, you wouldn't even be considering doing this ministry thing. And oh. I was just thinking, man, no. Yeah. If my dad was alive, he would be saying, because I know this is what he's saying, this is what really he wrote in the letter, that trust the Lord. Mm -hmm. and, and if the Lord is calling you to do something, it doesn't have to make sense to the, anybody else or to the rest of the, to the Lord. You've got to do what you think God's calling you to do. And I knew that that's what he was calling me to do. And so I ended up, I thought it was going to be for just uh, three years and ended up doing it for over a decade. And, uh, mm. man, it was, it was some of the best years of my life of being on campus. I got married during that time, started having kids and went and started a new 
within the same ministry, but a new campus in Missouri. And man, it was, it was unbelievable. What was one of the biggest shifts that occurred after you decided to go all in in August of that year in terms of your heart and your mind? You said, this is something that's going to make me live fully for the things that really matter. Was there anything specific that continually spoke to your heart? I think one of the biggest things that my dad did for me with that letter is help me understand uh, my identity and who I was. And I've understood this even more, even recently. One of my favorite books now is a book called Atomic Habits. And he talks about identity. He shares this illustration about two guys trying to quit smoking. He says, person A is trying to quit smoking and you walk up to him and you say, hey, do you want this cigarette? And he says, no, thanks. I'm trying to quit. Person B, hey, do you want this cigarette? No, thanks. I'm not a smoker. Mm. Which person's going to quit? Person B, because his identity is now, I'm not a smoker. So he will act in his identity. And this is what my dad did with this letter is he, he was pointing me to our heavenly father and he helped me understand who I was as a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so when that's your identity, but my dad didn't necessarily have to say what to do in every single moment. It was more, no, this is who you are, Blake. This is who you are as, as a Christ follower. And then this is how you act as a Christ follower because it's, it's who you are. And so I think that honestly has helped me the most. So about a year ago, you decided to transition out of the work you were doing in the campus space and start your own business, but it's directly related to this letter your father wrote, correct? Yeah. When I made the decision to leave campus ministry, it was a hard one because that, that was my family and, and I'd been with the people on staff there for a long time. So actually when I made that decision, I didn't know. I just knew the Lord was calling me to leave. I didn't know what it was going to be. So you felt this urging, Blake, to leave, but you weren't sure what it was, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Exactly. And my wife, she kind of thought that I think I thought too, like, we're, you know, we're going to go get a normal job, eight to five job. And maybe it's corporate, maybe it's in sales. I don't know, but it's going to be just a normal job, which we were okay with, but you know, being a campus minister and some of the hours, like it wasn't a normal job. Now it's time we're going to live a normal life. <laughs> and then I heard a couple different speakers um, talk about how their life changed because of a letter from their dad. And at the same time, I'm trying to work on my letters to my children. If anyone knows the value of a letter to their children, it's me. Okay. I've got to get my letter done. And it was hard to get the letter done. And I was trying to organize my thoughts. Okay. How am I going to write this thing? And then you know, life is busy and it's like, oh man, I know I got to do it, but I'm not getting it done. And then there was a day where I was actually talking to a person who ended up being becoming my business coach, but it was like the third day we had met. And I told him, I was like, man, one day I'm going to help dads write a letter to their children. Like I've got to get some other things figured out and going on, but you know, that's my goal one day. And he just kind of looks at me and he's like, what are you waiting on? Like no one else has a story like that. Like we weren't really sure why God brought us together. He's like, but I now know why God brought us together. It's for me to tell you, go help dads write this letter. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, man, I was fired up. I came home, I told my wife and, uh, and she had no idea. I mean, I had talked about helping dads write a letter, but it was one of these things. It's maybe one day. And then I come home and I'm like, sweetie, that is so obvious. I've got to go do this. Mm. And, uh, you know, we have three kids at home. So she's looking at me like, you know, I don't know how this doesn't make sense to me. Like you're going to help dads write a letter to this cho- to their children and you're going to provide for our family doing that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I said, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but hey, when God calls you to do something, he's going to take care of you. And so by this person who said these words to me about 
I need to go do this. I couldn't have afforded him to be my business coach, but we, he said, but I really want to help you. So let's do a deal where it's just percentage of, of money that comes in. You know, that's what I'll take. Mm -hmm. And man, it was exactly what I needed because now this person was in it with me. And so he only makes money if I make money. And when we developed the, the program and the course together and, you know, the message and how we're going to get this out there. And you're full time teaching dads how to write a legacy letter. I'm doing it full time. I've got a group of about six or seven dads in about uh, 45 minutes that I'm going to be helping them go through this process of writing, writing this letter. So I have about 10 lessons and four of the lessons are even before you start writing the letter and it's getting your heart and mind at the right spot to write this letter and then have the letter broken down into sections. And I basically guide dads through the whole process of writing it. And it's pretty powerful. What has been the biggest challenge that you faced when you made this transition other than your wife looking at you and going, what the heck are you thinking? <laughs> I think one of the biggest ones was just confidence. And at different points in my life, I've had, you know, had to get confident. And so even when I first started to learn how to share my faith, I mean, I was scared to death. Back in the campus days, right? Blake? Back on campus days. Yeah. yeah. And you, as a student. And mm -hmm. so, but the more I did it, the more conversations I had. I got more confident. And so with this, I was thinking, man, I'm really putting myself out there by really claiming that I'm an expert in helping dads write, write this letter. I kind of feel like a poser and, you know, what mm -hmm. are people going to think? And it, it's so funny. I would, I would have pictures in my mind of what person X was thinking about me. And person X is like someone from high school that I haven't talked to in like 15 years. And I'm like, man, what are they going to think about me? And it's like, what is it better what they think about you? I really just had to get confident. And my, my coach helped me with that. And then you had to come up with a price for it and what things are going to cost. And, mm -hmm. But then when you, when you start helping people and you realize, well, I mean, every dad, when they get done, they're like, man, thank you so much. Like, I would not have written this letter this way or this good if it wasn't for you helping me. And so, wow. and of course, the dads are proud of their letter and, you know, now they're children are going to uh, change forever. Like their children are going to make decisions differently now that they have this letter and their dad has spoken into their life. Like their life is going to be different. I charge to help dads write this letter, but I have a deal on my website. I think this letter is absolutely invaluable that I don't want any dad to not be able to write this letter because they can't afford it. So we have scholarships available. Like we'll help you get this letter done no matter what. When you coach dads to do this, when do you tell them to give the letter to their children? Sometimes dads get confused because they hear my story and they think, okay, this letter is in case I die. And that's when they'll find it. That is one reason to write the letter because you don't know when your last day is going to be. So you've got to get the letter done um, as soon as possible. You got to have something written down. But I tell dad this, you're writing gold down. Mm, yeah. And so you need to get this into the hands of your children as soon as possible because the world is screaming at our children. You can get on social media and in 10 minutes, you're going to hear from more people and hear more voices than really any, any time before in history. Like a hundred years ago, our kids grew up and uh, who were they, who was speaking into their life, like their family, maybe the small church they went to, but just a handful of people. And now there's hundreds and thousands of people speaking into their life and they don't know who they are. They don't know what truth is. And so I tell dads, we, we can't just throw our hands up in there and say, oh, it's, it's too hard. We've got to do whatever it takes to get our voice into their life. Because I believe it's the most powerful voice on the planet is a father's voice. Tell me why you say that. As we read in the scriptures and we see the relationship with our heavenly father, 
there's a longing in all of us to, to know our father. I've, I've helped dads who didn't know their father and, but yet there's a longing in them to know their father. It's like, why is that there? Mm-hmm. It's, and it's some spiritual reasons there. And so the research also has shown, even if, if a person is on uh, social media and they're not listening to, let's say Beyonce, they're just following their friends on there. Well, now their identity is going to be shaped by their friends and our identity was not meant to be shaped by our friends. It was, it was meant to be shaped by our dads and our moms. Yeah. And so that person will end up being more insecure they're comparing themselves and they'll be asking like, who am I? And everybody wants to, wants that question. It's like, who am I? And so that's the father, that's his job to come in and help a person realize who they are. Let me circle back with you, Blake, on, again, the transition you made from the campus ministry into doing this legacy letter focus full-time. What's been one of the most challenging scenarios you faced in making this transition? Because I know when you make a move like that, it ain't easy. Yeah, it's definitely not. One of the hardest things was actually getting some revenue to come in and to be able to provide the family and have a, a, a runway. I knew enough business to know that if I had a long enough runway, I could figure it out. A lot of businesses fail because they don't have a long enough runway, they run out of money. And so I was really trying to conserve cash and spend the least possible. But at the same time, I've got a family to take care of. And I have a wife who would be, would have been very happy if I just came home one day and said, okay, I'm just going to get a normal job. And I really had to decide that like, okay, do I just do a full-time job. And then this is like my part-time thing mm-hmm. until it takes off. But I knew that if I just went at it full-time, I could figure it out so much faster. And I really had to go go to the Lord multiple times. And I knew that God was calling me on, on this to do this, but it was so funny. I was like scared to pray at times. And you know, I just, it was a really weird feeling, but I would think, okay, gosh, it God has helped me so much already. I feel funny going back to him and asking him, you know, for something else. It was like this, I'm almost embarrassed to talk about it. It's like, hey, I've helped you out so much. Why haven't you figured it out yet? So early on, I did a webinar and I invited all my friends and everyone to come and ended up getting, I was hoping to get 20, 30, 40 people signed up, only had six signed up. And, but it was great, man. These people were awesome. Helped them write their letter. And so I was helping them do that in the fall. And then one week I got before the Lord and I said, God, I need you to move this week. The next day, I I see a video on TV on I think it was ESPN. It's from my YouTube account, and it was a video in 2013 that I had uploaded from a football game. I went to Kyler Murray's high school football game. He's the Arizona Cardinals quarterback right now, but he's from Allen, Texas, where I grew up. And so I just I took a video of the game winning pass, uploaded to YouTube. Forget all about it. Well, the Cardinals had found this video and were using it in a mini documentary. I email them and say, hey, you guys use my video. Well, next thing you know, I'm on the phone the next day with the vice president of the Arizona Cardinals. (laughs) And I'm like, what in the world just happened here? To make a long story short, we ended up having a great conversation with him. I ended up telling him about the Legacy Letter Challenge. And I said, I'm on a mission to help a million dads write at least one letter. I'd love to help you write your letter to your children. And he said, absolutely, let's do it. This was the day after you said, God, I need you to show up, please. Yes. I love it. The day after I this love is it. happening. <laughs> and I'm telling it, and even, so like, the you know, the phone calls get get set up and I'm like, sweetie, I'm about to be talking to the vice president of the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be helping him write his legacy letter. I can already see it in my mind. Right on. 
And she's like, what? No way. And I'm like, yeah. And so then I come, so then it happens and he says, yes. And then I said, he wants me to help him write his legacy letter. And her first question is, well, how much is he going to pay you? <laughs> right. And because at the time we didn't have any money. So the, she's just like, I don't care who the guy is. Like, how much is he going to pay? And I said, sweetie, he's not paying. It doesn't matter. So many good things are going to happen because of this. And sure enough, I helped him write his letter. He wrote an amazing letter to his 12-year-old and his nine-year-old daughter. I still remember the day I got an email from him just a few months ago saying, hey, I just gave the letter to my 12-year-old daughter. It's for her 13th birthday. She's 13. She's going in to middle school and the world's pulling at her. You know, who does she need? Whose voice does she need to hear? Her dad's. Mm. You know, there's some 13-year-old boy, you know, saying how much he loves her. And he wants her to know, no, you got a daddy that loves you. You don't need that 13-year-old boy. And so he hands her the letter and she goes into her room. She sits on the edge of her bed. He can see through the crack in the door and she's reading the letter. And she starts weeping as she's reading the letter. And she comes out and gives her dad a a big old hug and says, thank you so much. I love you, daddy. And I said, he got emotional. I'm reading the email. I get emotional just reading the email. <laughs> and I was just thinking, man, how cool is this that I get to help dads write this letter? But he ended up telling another guy in the organization, the player development guy, Anthony, helped Anthony write his letter. He, he says, man, we've got to get more players writing this letter. And then, so this past week, I had my first conversation with the NFL league office about them Potentially, I don't know if it'll happen. It may not happen. I don't know. But they're very interested in in providing my program for all of the players. Lord, make it happen. And, Come yeah. on. Yes. I love this. <laughs> I just go back to and I emailed Tim, the VP of the Cardinals, and I emailed him and said, man, I just had this meeting. Like, and it's all because you said yes mm. way back, mm. you know, almost a year ago. And so thank you so much, so much. Of course, he's excited about it and said, man, you got to keep me updated. This is awesome. Didn't you get contacted by the Today Show not too long ago? Yeah, not too long ago. So that was kind of fun. Well, the backstory on that is, is we, the NIL stuff came out with a college football players being able to make money for the first time ever in history. Different players, like one guy got to deal with PetSmart and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I said, man, this would be really fun to support a dad. And so there was a guy that, and my old mother, the Razorbacks, he's got a two-year-old son. This guy's, the dad's name is Coylan Jackson. Awesome dad. He's always posting about his, his son, loves being a dad. And so I, I get in contact with him, signing to a deal. And uh, we put out a press release. It was my first ever press release. But of course, I was proud. We just did the first ever NIL agreement that supports fatherhood. Yeah. And so I have, I have a feeling that the Today Show found us that way. But I got an email pretty soon after that and you know the subject line is from the nbc today show and you never really know when some of that stuff you <laughs> right. know, it's just like a spam email right but i open it up and it's like no this is for real right so but i talked to him on the phone for like 30 minutes did a little pre-interview and i i gotta tell you like even going into this interview i was so comfortable and confident you know going back this past year when i wasn't that confident but i was just to this point where it's like hey I'd seen God show up so many times. God is behind this. I, to be, to be frank, and this is going to sound prideful, but it's not at all because it's, it's the Lord that does it all. I was not surprised that they reached out to, I was like, hey, I knew this was going to happen. Love it. And so even in talking to him, I just had this confidence, even if one, I, I knew it was going to happen. Number two, even if I don't get on the show, it doesn't matter because the Lord's behind all this thing. Like we're going to get to a million letters and beyond. I don't know how it's going to happen. Maybe it happens because I'm on the Today Show. Maybe it happens because I don't know how it's going to happen. God's going to work all that out. Yes. And so it's it's just really fun to have that 
confidence knowing that the Lord is is behind you. Is your wife's confidence growing too now? It is growing. I got to kind of share with you like like the lowest moment. So this is uh, even a month or so after I started helping the Arizona Cardinals VP. And we're down to like, we don't have any money left. We're actually minus money if you crap and you start counting our credit card. We had never had credit card debt in our whole life. And now we're starting to get credit card debt. It's like, okay, we went out to dinner. We didn't have any money to go to dinner. Boy, went out to dinner, me and her, the whole date. And, and she says, Blake, you've got to go get a job. Like, I cannot keep living like this. Like, like we don't have any money. And it was one of the, in the past, I would have, I I think I would have lashed out because I would have been, you don't know, all these good things are happening, you know, blah, blah, blah. I would have, you know, taken offense, but I totally understand how she felt and I felt for her. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I was almost just smiling like, God's about to do something really cool here. I don't know what it is, but I I already, I'm already helping the vice president of the Arizona Cardinals. Like good things are happening, but I can't even explain other than God. It's just the money's not like, we don't have any revenue yet, but it's coming. And so the next day I get again on my hands and knees before the Lord. And I say, God, we need some revenue. I felt like the Lord was saying to pray for a specific amount. And I'll I'll tell you what I prayed for because I I didn't, I didn't want to pray it. I was like, no way. I don't, I was like fighting God. I don't want to pray this number. I don't want to, but I prayed for Mm $20,000 in two weeks. And then we had made $20,000 and like, where in the world is $20,000 going to come from? But I just over and over kept being impressed to pray upon. And so then... A couple of days later, there's a business that wants uh, to meet with me because they're interested in buying it for their employees and actually ended up being two businesses. So I met with these businesses, man, it went awesome. They're like, sign me up. I, I want to provide this for all of our employees. One of them had 500 employees. And so that next Friday, I closed on the third deal in the two weeks period. I was coming home. I was in tears because God showed up. We did $42,000 in revenue in those two weeks. <laughs> I love it. Double, double <laughs> than what I was af- afraid to pray for. And man, I was just, I was like, oh my gosh. And uh, of course I told my wife and they got us out of a little bit of a hole that we were in in the moment. But yeah. she's like, well, so what about next month? I was like, I don't know what's going to happen next month, but God showed up here. Obviously, if these people are willing to pay this much money for the program, I think we're going to be okay. We just got to figure out how to get it out there to more people. And so I'm laughing because your wife sounds like the perfect sales manager. Hey, dude, great job this month. What about next month? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And man, and uh, I'm not trying to throw my wife under the bus because my wife has been so supportive of me this whole time. She's just expressing her fears that anybody else would have. And, you know, I'm the one that's over here, like in control, not that I'm completely in control, but I know what's going on in the business. She doesn't know and just has to give her complete trust to me. And uh, I've, and I've felt that pressure and in a good way. Well, and I think your wife is utterly amazing to go with you on this journey. Yeah, absolutely. Since I graduated college, you know, you're going to get a paycheck at the end of the month mm-hmm. and we're, we still don't. And so we had a great month this month, but still Okay, what's going to happen next month? God's going to provide, but we've had to learn how to budget. And as any entrepreneur knows, I mean, you're really having to live by faith. I really sense this is going to blow up. There's going to be massive interest in this. I'm just thinking of a guy I know who has a ministry called Family ID. His name is Greg Gunn. Shout out to Greg. He speaks in churches all over the country how to create a mission statement for your family and walk in that mission statement and I think this is a perfect connection. You know, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Because I, you know, that's one of the lessons that we have. Before you write this letter, I hope 
dads think through their family and uh, their vision for their family, their mission statement. I tell dads, like, I don't know what your vision is for your family, but uh, let's make it bigger. Like, let's make a God-sized vision for your family. Mm. And that was one of the things that I've been challenged on. And uh, so one of the one of the guys that I helped write his letter, so I was on his podcast. This guy is a former NFL player. So his name is Anthony Trucks. Mm-hmm. He's a motivational speaker now. He didn't know his dad growing up, but he's got two boys now. And he's like, I got to write this letter. I'm like, okay, I put together this package for him. He's like, I'm buying it. And he, he invited 10 friends to go through the process of writing this letter. And I coached them over Zoom. And it was an unbelievable experience. I mean, he had like friends from high school. He had a, a neighbor. He had... His pastor was on there. His NFL agent was on there. And his NFL agent, Craig Doman, didn't even know what he was showing up to. He's just like, okay, Anthony invited <laughs> me to this thing. So, yeah. so Craig's sitting there like, I, and I didn't know his, I didn't, I didn't know who these guys were. And so his NFL agent stays on the call afterward one time and he goes, okay, dude, tell me more about this, about this legacy letter thing. Like we've done two sessions now and I, I mean, it's pretty neat, but tell me the backstory again. So I tell him all about it. And he's like, dude, why are you saying just a million letters? I could see tens of millions, hundreds of millions of letters being written. He said, you're saying a million, but uh, I just want to challenge you to not let what God wants to do here. Don't, you don't be the limiting factor. Wow. Like, like let God be the limiting factor. And so, you know, say a hundred million and maybe you only get a million because that was the number God had, but you don't be the limiting factor of what God wants, wants you to do. And so now I challenge dads like, no, think really big with your, like God wants to do something amazing with your family. Yes. And don't, don't limit yourself on what God wants to do. So good. As we come to a close here, I am continually reminded that God has caused all of this to work together for your good and for so many other people's good. It's incredible what he's done through this tragic event, isn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. I, I look forward to the day and I don't know how it all works out with my dad. And I don't know the th- theology, if he can see what's going on right now, but I look forward to seeing him again one day and being mm. able to say, dad, that letter that you wrote me, not only did it change my life, now it's inspiring other dads to write their letter and it's changing lives all across the country and across the world, all because of what you did. My dad had no idea when he wrote that letter, what was going to happen. And uh, to be able to say, dad, and then also you provided a way for me to provide for my family through this. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk to him one day. Well, as we finish up, I'd love Blake to have you pray for our listeners, please. Yeah, absolutely. God, thanks so much for just everything that you've given us. God, we recognize you as our creator and uh, you've created all good things. You've created us. God, you care about the small things. You care about the big things. God, those moments where we're feeling sad or sorrow. God, we know that you're there with us, but we do uh, know that all things work together um, for your good. We consider it an honor to worship you. God, I pray for uh, the moms and dads that are listening. God, that they would connect with their children and invest in their children in the way that their children need them to. Mm. So God, I do pray for all those families and God, that you may be glorified in all of them. Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Blake, thank you so much. Appreciate you sharing your story. Appreciate you, Brad. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make 
is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.